Okay, we're going to continue with our uh, theme of follow that we've been doing the last uh, many weeks. Uh, we'll get there in a few minutes, but turn in your Bibles to the book of John, and I'll tell you exactly where to go uh, as, as we get a little further into our discussion and thoughts. But uh, we're talking about the idea of following Jesus, right? That's been going on for several weeks that uh, we've been studying this idea of following. And, uh, you know, the earlier uh, in, in uh, Jesus' time, if you were following Jesus, you know, what could we assume about you? Well, you could assume that you were a sinner because that's who Jesus sort of went after. Uh, you know, he didn't really go after the real religious people all that much. He just went after people that were a little bit of the normal people that you might come in contact with. Uh, and they were all sinners, uh, not very religious in many cases. Uh, and, and, uh, and honestly, most of them didn't even really believe in Jesus all that much. Uh, he was just a, a rabbi or a teacher, and they were following him around. And uh, they began to learn more and more uh, as they went along. But he did call people to follow him. Well, last week we talked about, well, if you're following Jesus, where are you going? You know, that's a nice thing to know. If, uh, if you start following, you know, where are you going to go? Where, where is this going to end up, you know? What's in it for me, uh, sort of a deal. And what we looked at the, the scriptures last week and noticed is that Jesus says, if you come and follow me, really where you're going to end up being is that you're going to end up being in a place where you don't have to live a life of worry and fear. And you know, worry and fear are so much of a big part of uh, so many people's lives today. They're worried and they're upset and and life is, uh, is pretty tough on them and that kind of a thing. And so there's a lot of worry and fear. Jesus says, trust me. And it's going to be okay. I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the, the concepts to have in your mind. I'll give you the character to have uh, in your heart. He says, I will be with you always, even in the, all the circumstances of life that we find our life in. And you know what? Life is sometimes tough, isn't it? You know, you think, okay, you know, it's, it's going to be a great year. We start off every year with New Year's uh, resolutions. And, uh, you know, 2013 is going to be a great year. And then, you know, you get into 2013, you know, a little while, and you're like, whoa, 2013 is a hard year. Uh, and it seems like we sort of run into that same kind of thing all the time. The title of today's lesson is What to Wear. What to wear? Yeah, what, how appropriate. We have the catwalk right out here, you know. What to wear? What does a follower of Jesus look like? What do they wear? If I showed you a picture, I'm not really one of the, uh, the guys who shows a lot of pictures, but if I showed you a picture of a woman, and she was covered literally from the ground all the way up and had even her head and her face covered with a little slit right there. What would you say about her? She's Arab. Uh, probably uh, more than being Arab, she's a, she's a Muslim or she's a a follower of Muhammad. And you can look at what she's got on and, and you can sort of make that, that observation, right? Okay, how about if I showed you a picture of, of, of a guy standing and he's got this big turban on his head. What would you say? What, what, what is he following? Who is he? He's a Sikh. And he's following uh, those teachings. 
If I, I showed you a guy and, and he's got on sort of an orange, uh, sort of a robe uh, kind of thing, and his, and his head is bald. What would you say? He's a Buddhist. He's a Buddhist monk, probably. Okay, how about if I showed you a guy and he's got, you know, sort of a long, uh, unclean hair it's, it's in, in, in braids all the way down to his shoulders and beyond. Uh, what might you say? He's a Rastafarian. And he's following uh, uh, those teachings, uh, if you know what I mean. What about... And we do this in all kinds of areas of life. If you went to a football game, I know some of you are not football fans, but uh, for the football fans here, I think you understand where I'm going with this. If you went to the football game and you saw a whole bunch of people there that looked like they have blocks of cheese on their, on their head, what would you say? They're Packers fans. They're Green Bay Packers fans because they're from Wisconsin and that's the dairy land of America. That's their state model and all that. And they, uh, they proudly wear the cheese on their head. They're the cheese heads. And, and they follow the Green Bay Packers. What about here in, in, in L.A.? If you went to, uh, to a football game and uh, everybody had on cardinal and gold shirts, what, what would you say about them? You, you, <laughs> now that was uncalled for. You would say, well, they're USC fans. If, if on the other side, if, if you went to the football game and everybody had on powder blue shirts, what would you say? You'd say they're Bruin fans. Or, or, the, or, or the USC people would say they support the losing team. You know, uh, whatever. But you know what? E even in... Uh, even in that area, we understand that kind of thing. In the spring of the year, if, if you're driving down one of the streets of one of our neighborhoods and, and you see uh, a young man, like a high school-aged guy, he's got a tuxedo on, he's looking really dapper, and, uh, and his uh, girlfriend or his date for that, that the parents are out taking photos, you know, and everything, and she's got on a, uh, a really beautiful uh, dress and everything, what, what would you say that they're preparing to do? They're going to the prom, and, and that guy asked that girl out, and they're going to the prom and all that kind of thing. And we, we understand all that because of what they wear. Now, I've got to tell you, and I, I've mentioned this before, my wife and I have had a little bit of a conflict about what I should wear to church. And uh, you notice today that I'm not wearing a tie, so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being obedient uh, to, to my wife, uh, you know, uh, like the song that we just sang earlier, I'm trusting and obeying, you know. Uh, uh, you know, but Chris feels like I need to be a little bit less formal. Uh, but, you know, in my mind, I, you know, sometimes a minister needs to be, you know, I mean, a, a professional. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, what I do here. But, you know, we have a little bit of a conflict there. But what should a Christian wear? Sometimes it gets very, uh, you know, uh, unclear how should a Christian look? And how uh, should they take care of themselves? When John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, this is how you ought to be able to tell a disciple. Not by a turban on their head, not by a, a clothing necessarily that they have on their body, 
He says, a new command I give you, love one another. If God loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, all men will be able to recognize you. Not with a block of cheese on your head. Not with a tuxedo on. By this, by this love. And he says, you know, actually, in the Old Testament, if you, you know, follow the, the, the Jewish teachings, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Old Testament said to love each other. But Jesus says, love as I have loved you, you should love one another. And by this, all men will be able to recognize that you are my followers. Now, here's the thing. I want you to imagine here that we have a, a graph and a, and a continuum, okay? On the far right side of this graph is love one another. On the far other side of this is obey the rules. Now, here's what happens when people start following Jesus. There is like a magnet that is pulling this way. If you're a, a, a Star Trek guy, okay? There's a tractor beam on you that's pulling you this way. That, that's like gravity is pulling you that way to doing the rules. And Jesus says, but where I want you to be is loving each other. We, we have an incredible tendency to want to boil it down, what are the rules? What do I have to do? What shouldn't I do? What are the rules? And so we, we sort of get into, okay, what does a Christian look like? Well, a Christian is someone who goes to church. A Christian is someone who gives money at church. A Christian is someone who reads his Bible and prays. A Christian is someone who reaches out to other people who aren't Christians and tries to convince them to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. And what have we done? We've gone right to the rules. What are the rules? Jesus says, all men will know you're my disciples because you love each other. He says, this is something that's observable. All men will recognize you. They'll be able to look at you and say, oh, that person must be a follower of Jesus. Not because they go to church, give their money, uh, read their Bible, pray. Not because they're obeying the rules, but because they actually have incorporated into the way they live that they, it is obvious in looking at their behavior that they love other people. They love each other as, as fellow followers but they also love people that are hard to love. You know, there are people in the world, I don't know if you know this, uh, maybe, maybe some of us are those people. <laughs> there are people sometimes, we're all that way sometimes. Yeah. We're hard to love. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, uh, you, as, as uh, magnanimous as you may think you are, as incredible as you think, as so easy to love as you might imagine, as you hope you are, there are some times in all of our lives that you are hard to love. And we get faked out sometimes because we look at people sometimes and we think, man, that, that person, 
It is so, they have so much personality. They are so cool. They have so much going for them. They must be really fun to be around. I'll guarantee you. There are times that that person that you think is the coolest, snappiest person in the world. At times, is hard to love. I'm not going to tell you the names here because you don't need to know the names. There was, there was a couple that got married several months back in, in, in the church. And uh, it's not Mike and Lucy, okay? So you don't have to worry about that. They got married several months back in the, ch- in, in the church, and so you know they're both followers of Jesus, and, and, and they're both uh, they've been married now for several months and all that, and and they are beginning to figure some things out about each other that are not awesome. <laughs> like like he is man, he is he's a, he's sort of controlling. Yeah, he, he was telling me the other day when I buy a car, it needs to be a white car. Whoa, that didn't come up in their dating relationship. <laughs> and you know, the amazing thing is, we we have a tendency to think, oh yeah, I know that I'm I'm a little hard every time. That person over there, they must be awesome. Listen, there is nobody, nowhere, no how. Everybody, it's hard to love. Sometimes. Yet Jesus says, you'll know my disciples because they love one another. Okay, preteens, how do you how do you recognize disciples? Because they love each other, right? Amen. Just make sure you guys pay attention down there. Yet we have this pull. We have this pull. The pull. How how do you tell a disciple? They go to church. They read the Bible. They give their money. They pray. Jesus says, no, how you really, really get it, how you really should be able to see my followers is that they love each other the way that Jesus loved. He says, as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Now, we're talking about clothing, right? Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. You guys following me here? What do you wear? Well, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and Colossae. Paul's guy that became a Christian after Jesus had already died, and, uh, and he grows up and, and he starts planting churches around sort of the Mediterranean area of the world there, the area that they lived in. And uh, one, of the, one of the little villages and towns there that he started a church with uh, was a city called Colossae. And so he writes a letter to the young disciples there, the Colossians, that's why that we have that. And, and he, he's giving them some advice here about how they should live their lives now that they're followers of Jesus. And in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Now get this. We're talking about what should we wear, right? Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. 
bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Okay, let's talk about what should we wear. What should we clothe ourselves with if we're going to be followers of Jesus? First of all, though, it's interesting to know what he says. He says, therefore, it's God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy and dearly loved. Wow. That's, that's who we are. We're special. We're not special because of things that people think of what makes someone special. We're special because of how much we are loved. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself. This is like putting on pieces of clothing here. As you got dressed this morning, you put on your trousers, you put on your, 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 your shirt, you put on your coat, or uh, the, the, the different uh, components are, uh, of your uh, ensemble today, if we want to look at it that way. What you're wearing today, you put on your clothing. He says, put on compassion. Compassion, as, as he's describing it here, is, is like a gut-level feeling. You know, when we say to someone and we want to express to them that we, that we really love them, we say, I love you with all my heart. I mean, imagine what, a, what, what it would really be like, uh, you know, Brian, if, if you told your fiancé there, I love you with all my gut. <laughs> Erica might want to rethink that, uh, uh, that engagement. You know, you love me with all your guts? Whoa, uh, that's a... Uh, that's, uh, that's a little gooey. <laughs> but it's that gut-level feeling. It's deep compassion that you actually feel for people. You know, the world actually sort of conditions us in many ways not to feel. To sort of turn our back, turn our eyes, drive on, don't think about it, don't worry about it. It'll go away if you just don't think about it. There's so many needs of people around us sometimes. We're actually overwhelmed. Those of us who have gone down with Molly at the ski row and helped hand out the food or the clothing items that we've done in the different times that she's coordinated that, it's a little overwhelming, honestly. Because, wow, the needs are just massive. And, 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 and we'll bring car loads of things. And, 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 and for those of you who haven't gone, and we'll set it up. And, and it's all organized. And we're, we're ready to go. We're good to go. And, and several people have brought cars full of food and clothing and, and different kind of things. And you know what? Bam, bam, bam. It's gone. He gave it all away. There's no more food. There's no more clothing. There's no more things to give. And it took what? A half an hour? Compassion is deeply feeling the needs of people around us that are hurting. There's so many people hurting. Yet we, we do so little compassion 
we, we feel so shallow about it. Because we don't want to deal with it. We, we just feel like, oh, it's just too much. But he says, clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. Kindness is extending yourself to someone. It's loaning yourself out. Here, you can have me. I will be kind to you. I'll help you. I'll spend energy for you. Clothe yourself with kindness, with humility. You know, we are citizens, most of us in this room, of, of, a, of a country that, as Abraham Lincoln said, is dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And it's amazing how much time we spend in life actually trying to rank ourselves and, 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 and put ourselves above somebody. I'm smarter than you. I have a higher IQ than you. I went to a better school than you went to. I'm prettier than you. I've got prettier eyes. Shape of my face is prettier. Shape of my body is prettier. I'm more eloquent than you. I have more social skill and ability than you do. I make more money than you do. I live in a bigger house I have a nicer car. We spend so much time trying to be better than other people. But he says you need to clothe yourself with humility. You know, at the end of the day, does it really matter if you can jump higher than somebody else? Really? Really? I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, are, 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 we really, are we really that concerned about who can jump the highest? Are we really that concerned about who's the fastest runner? Or who won the championship? You know, for those of us who are a little bit older, it is humbling sometimes, speaking of humility, it is humbling uh, to, to go to a class reunion uh, or to see pictures on Facebook of people that you went to high school with. Whoa. That was the coolest guy in high school. Well, a few years later... He's balding, graying, and uh, that big muscular chest has dropped. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Gravity took over. Clothe yourself with humility. There's nobody that's better than you, and there's nobody that's worse than you. 
Every once in a while the government gets it right. And Abraham Lincoln got that right. We are dedicated to the proposition that all men, all people, are created equal. You're not from the best race or the best ethnicity. I don't care if you're black, white, or any variation in between. We're dedicated to the proposition that we're all equal and that we should clothe ourselves with humility. We should clothe ourselves with gentleness. Gentleness is the ability to adjust to the needs of the person you're dealing with. The epitome of gentleness is the big, strong, powerful guy who can reach down to the little child and relate with the child on their level. Gentleness is the ability to, to mold yourself to the needs of whoever you're dealing with. You're gentle as you deal with people instead of harsh and powerful. Patience. You're willing to move at other people's speed. You're patient. You know, you think of Paul as a man. Paul as a person before he became a Christian. He is from a wealthy, powerful Jewish family. He has the highest of Jewish education. He is a type A person if there ever was a type A person. And yet he says, listen, we have got to learn to clothe ourselves with compassion and with kindness and with humility and gentleness and with patience. And over all these things, put on love. It binds them all together in perfect unity. It's the perfect recipe of how to be the person that Jesus describes. How do you be the person that Jesus says, all men will know you're my disciples because you love each other. How do you look that way? You clothe yourself with these qualities and you have love which binds them all together. Take this perfect recipe of who you are and how you come across the people around you. You know, it's really fascinating as you look at this as he goes on in verse 15, look how he says this. Let the peace of Christ, let something happen. This is not something you do. This is something you allow to happen in your life. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because in many of these things, to be a person of compassion or patience, these are things you decide. Okay, I need to be compassionate. Have you ever, I mean, most of us have probably had a time in our life where we go into a circumstance, we realize, hey, I need to be giving and compassionate and gentle and kind here. You ever do that? It's like if someone's gone through a difficult time in their life, uh, that they, they've had a, a death of a, of a loved one or something like that, and you go to the funeral uh, parlor or the funeral home, and, and you realize they are suffering. They've lost their husband. They've lost their wife. They, they've, they've lost a, a loved one in some way. You specifically, we've all been there. You know what I'm talking about. You go in, right? You go in knowing, hey, I need to be compassionate. I need to be giving. These are things that you decide to do. And then he says, let this happen. This is not something you do. This is something you let happen in your life. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body you were called to be peace, uh, you were called to peace and be thankful. 
Notice he says, it's interesting, three different times here he says, be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and advise one another with, with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You see it again? And be thankful. Gratitude in your hearts in whatever you do. Whether in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks the third time. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let this happen. You know how to reach your potential? Your fullest potential? It's a combination of what you do and what you allow to happen in your life. What is your potential? In most of our cases, we know our potential is more than what we are now. Don't you sense that in yourself? Don't you sense that I can do, I can be more than what I am right now? I think we all do. There's a realization within us that if I can make the best decisions, if I can be the right person, there's more of me than what's seen right now. I know it. Well, it's, it's what we put on. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But it's not just what you do. It's also what you allow to let happen. Let the peace of Christ. Let the Word of Christ. Let it, and notice how he says, let it happen richly. Let Jesus become more of who you are and less of what you naturally are. See, sometimes we think, okay, if I'm going to be more, that means I have to be more of me. What Paul is actually calling these people to understand is that if you want to really reach your potential, you've got to become a little less of you. And you've got to become a little bit more of Jesus. So it, it, it goes contrary to our thinking. We think, okay, if I'm going to be more, if I'm going to achieve more, if I'm going to be better, I, I, I've got to be harder, I've got to be stronger, I've got to be faster, I've got to be smarter. Yet he says, let this process happen in your life. And the net result of it is, what does it do? It creates a person that is thankful, grateful. I don't know of anybody that I really like, honestly, as a friend, that isn't thankful about their life. And you think about this in your own life. Do you like people who are ungrateful? Is that a quality you look for in someone? Boy, I really hope I marry a guy sometime that's a really ungrateful guy. 
I tell you what I'm looking for in a girl is I'm looking for a girl that's really ungrateful. Whoa. She'll be a lot of fun to live with. Okay, if you, if, if you think through your best friends, you will do what I've done and you'll come to the same conclusion. The people that I really appreciate are people that are grateful. The people I really like to be around are people that are thankful for their life and for the influences and good things that have happened in their life. What I'm trying to describe to you today of how a disciple looks and what should we wear, this is not necessarily a natural process. There is not a natural follower of Jesus. I mean, have you ever known somebody that just seems like they got it? You know, they were naturals. You ever met someone that was a natural athlete? It seems like everything they did. They did everything they do for all conference. They just show up for the team. And they're the best player on the team. You ever know someone in, in, in the classroom, in the academic area? I mean, what, whatever the, the, the teacher brings up, they get it. I, re, I, I realize that because there were many times in my life when I didn't get it. In fact, yesterday... I was at a meeting. <laughs> I was at a meeting, an elders meeting, and, and, and we flew in a guy from, uh, from uh, Atlanta that was doing a detailed explanation of the hay model that is the model that the church uses on how the ministers are paid. And he's explaining this, and he is, I mean, he's got a slideshow, and he's got his slides up there. And I'm telling you, he wasn't five minutes into that, and I realized I don't get it. This was not touching anything as it was flying over my head. <laughs> Some of you might be able to relate to being in a circumstance like that. Now, I tell you just what I thought, though. You know what I thought? I am really glad that he really understands this. And we had the, 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 uh, the lead administrator, Keith Rose, for the L.A. Church, and he's sitting out there, and he's listening, and they're, they're talking back and forth from time to time. It was very clear to me, Jerry really knows what he's talking about, and Keith understands everything he's saying. And I thought, you know, it's not important that I understand it. <laughs> it's important they understand it. And it's important that if you have any questions on how much I'm paid, you can go talk to Keith. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because he understands it. But you know what? Hey, guys, this is not natural. No one is a natural follower of Jesus. If you feel like sometimes in your life, wow, this seems unnatural. Hey, it's unnatural for me. It's unnatural for everybody. That's a follower of Jesus. Because, see, our nature is we want to obey the rules. What are the rules? Tell me the rules. Well, you've got to go to church. You've got to give your money to church. This was written 2,000 years ago. About a little church in Colossae on the Mediterranean Sea. The church has always had people that are annoying. <laughs> For some of us, we should say, well, amen to that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm in the fellowship of the annoying. Amen. 
And we have to learn. That's a normal part of Christian behavior. It's a normal part of the church. The church is not made up of perfect people. The church is made up of really imperfect people that are at least trying to do better. Instead of just accepting that they're going to be knuckleheads, they're saying, I know in my, in my sinful nature I'm a knucklehead, but I'm really trying to do a little bit better. Anyway, great thought, great idea. Hopefully it's been helpful for you in your life today. Let's clothe ourselves. What do we wear? We wear all those great things and so people can recognize us as his followers. Let's have a great week.